Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our Browns Steelers preview pod. Lance Reisland is going to join us in the next segment to go over some film and talk about how the Browns can beat the Steelers. Tyler Shoemaker is going to join us later to talk a little gambling, his bets for the game, his index, and uh, some NFL bets that he likes and hates. And then we'll be back at the very end to make our picks for the game. Uh, Mary Kay and Ashley are here for this first segment. We're going to do three things to watch like we normally do in this preview pod. Browns and Steelers, 1 p.m. at Cleveland Browns Stadium. So let's get to it, Mary Kay. I think I know where you're going to go with this. What are you watching on Sunday? I think you do know where I'm going to go with this. Okay, DTR, let's <laughs> see what you got. Uh, this is DTR's first game out since he played against the Baltimore Ravens. They lost that game 28-3. to He was overwhelmed. He admitted today that if coach would have asked him to recite certain things uh, on, you know, off of the play sheet, that he would have struggled to do it at that time. We all watched him studying, studying that play sheet today as he was sitting at his locker. I was even trying to study it myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he is working really, really hard at this. Uh, Browns fans, once they get to know DTR, they're really going to like this young man. What a nice, nice guy he is. But can he play quarterback for the Cleveland Browns? Can he accomplish the goals that they have set for themselves this year? And we know where that bar is set. We know. It's the Super Bowl. Can DTR take them to the Super Bowl? Well, guess what? All he has to do this week, Dan and Ashley, <laughs> is go 1-0. How many times have we heard that this week? Oh, my week? God. <laughs> so many times it prompted me to write a column about it yesterday. <laughs> it, which, like, is funny because on the way to Baltimore, Mary Kay, we talked about this, like, pretty extensively in the car, right? Yes, like, yep. about how it seems like this team has been locked down. And, like, from a media perspective, it's obviously maybe not the most exciting quotes, but, like, I do think it's good within the building that they're all on the same page, and I think it means they truly believe this. But it is just funny because you can kind of, like, you, we could play a drinking game with it. But <laughs> we might be blacked out. We could. <laughs> it, it is such an NFL cliche, but, like, the Browns have just completely embraced it this week. They'll want to know every week. And they've got to do it with DTR. All he's got to do is go want to know against the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Yes. I mean, we should show up with T-shirts on tomorrow. Let's say one and oh, shouldn't we? I mean, my goodness, I'm going to be hearing that in my sleep. But by the way, before you keep, we need to do a, one of our off season drafts, it needs to be 
cliche, like oh, press yeah. conference cliches, oh, favorite press conference so cliches. Good. Yes, yes, I love it. Um, but the key, one of the biggest keys for DTR is to protect the football. Here's the thing to remember about the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are tied for first in the NFL with the Bengals, by the way, at plus 10 in the turnover differential. And they're either first or tied for first with 18 takeaways. So this is a team that takes it away, and they really don't give it away. Although, I think the Browns defense is going to have a little something to say about that on Sunday. I think they're going to take it away some. I really do. I think they're, they are strapping this team on their back, and they're going to do everything that they can to get this team to where it wants to go. But the DTR experience, he's studying, he's working at it, and the Browns have seen something in this young man that they think he's pretty special. So let's see what you got, DTR. I, I think it would be a cool story. Um, for all of this, like this team is now suddenly the underdog, uh, this great defense DTR is, I mean, he seems like a really likable guy. Um, seems like a, you know, very affable, um, just, just somebody people can root for. And there is something like, if he can just be good enough and if this team gets to the playoffs, I do think that this would be like a thing Browns fans would really kind of embrace because right now they're feeling a little bit down. But now you get to have this sort of underdog story, fifth round pick, like finally something breaks your way, right? Like this team has been looking for quarterbacks forever and just something always goes wrong. Finally, something breaks your way and this guy, he doesn't have to be great. He's just got to be good enough and, you know, play some games in January with him. Yeah, I mean, I think like you see it all the time in Cleveland sports, right? Like I can draw a lot of parallels. And excuse me, I don't remember any of the years of this, but again, I'm from here. So like, I remember how excited this fan base got when Brian Hoyer won, you know, a handful of games. What season was that? 2014. 2014. I remember like in in college at John Carroll, that was all the rage. Everyone wanted to go to the Muni lot every weekend, you know, until Brian Hoyer got hurt. So I remember that, like you think of Delhi during the Cavs first run, you think of the Guardians last year, like this city does love a good underdog story. So I definitely think that's in play. And, and I think, you know, it starts with this week. And I said it yesterday, can you not turn the ball over? Okay, great. That's step one. The question is, how much do we think that first start against Baltimore was the circumstances, right? Because it was bad. And it can't be that again. It can't be anything close to that. There's got to be a pretty big step forward here. So how much, Mary Kay, do you think it was? Hey, he got two days, two hours notice. To, I wish he would have had two days. He had two <laughs> hours notice to start that game. And they just didn't have a, you know, now they're going to have a week to game plan. And they know he's their starter, not just this week, but for the next eight weeks, they hope. I think that had a lot to do with it. I think that had a lot to do with it. And just hearing DTR talk today made me realize why he wasn't as prepared for that game as he should have been. He really didn't think he was starting that game, so he wasn't pouring over every little play and all the terminology the way that he needed to. He learned a very, very hard lesson that week, and that is that you have to prepare 6,000 times more than you even think you need to for a game like this in the NFL. <clears throat> to be a pro, you know, you you have got to know all the details and like AVP said today, you have to know it like the coaches do. And you guys have heard some of that terminology. It's insane what some of those play calls are like, right? 
Yeah. I mean, you have got to know what you're doing, and you have to be able to think very, very quickly on your feet. He wasn't ready. He was not ready for that. And again, they did not adapt the game plan. They didn't dial it back. They didn't, you know, focus way more on the run. They didn't do, do any of those things. I don't know why they didn't do those things. Uh, I mean, it, it, it had to be somewhat obvious to them that he wasn't going to be able to handle a Deshaun Watson game plan his first time out. Uh, so a lot of things conspired against him in that game. And I think he's taken care of a lot of those things. And to hear him speak, he's a very, very confident young man. He's very confident in himself. He's very smart. And I think one of the major reasons why they wanted him over P.J. Walker is because I think they like his ability to process and to read defenses and to go through his progressions. I don't know that they feel like P.J. was seeing the open man and going through his progressions properly. And so I think they're very, very excited about what DTR brings to the table. And I do think that DTR is is going to hold his own this time. I don't know if it's going to be good enough against a defense like this. We're talking about T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, Cam Hayward, and many others on this great Steelers defense. But I just think he's going to look so much more polished and ready than he did the first time out. All right, Ashley, what are you watching? You know, I think I'm going to take a version of the point Mary Kay made on our Wednesday pod that became very quickly defunct <laughs> with the breaking news of Deshaun Watson. But that was a good pod, too. I, it was a good pod, but I'm going to tweak it, like, slightly. So it's not just, I think, like, Miles Garrett versus Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt for me, but in the wake of this news with Deshaun, I think it's not just on Miles, but, like, to him some extent, like can either Miles Garrett have this, you know, quintessential Miles game, but really I think it's about the defense as a whole finding a way to take over. And when I've talked to guys this week, you know, I hear basically some version of the one and oh thing from just about everybody, but there's also a very defense specific Schwartzism that we've heard for a lot of the year, which is they can't win if they don't score. And I think those defensive guys to a base level have boiled it down to that, but they have their work cut out for them because Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt can wreck the game. I think the Browns need some game wrecking plays, whether it's from Miles Garrett or someone else. Mary Kay, you've, you've said this before, right? This is the boombox toting defense, the defense that thinks they're the best in the world. Some pe- some players think they might be the best defense ever. You don't get to say you're the best defense ever unless you win a title. That's like the Ravens won a Super Bowl on the backs of their defense. The 85 Bears, you know, you have to do great things. You have to win if you want to be in that discussion. Um, and now Deshaun's gone. Like your superstar now is on the defensive side of the ball. And it's on this defense to carry this team as far as they can. Yeah, we heard some interesting things from Jim Schwartz about that whole concept today. There were a couple things. Uh, One of the first things that he talked about was the fact that in the fourth quarter of the Ravens game, he saw a tenacity, a tenacity in that Browns defense that he hadn't seen before. And I thought that was interesting for him to say that he hadn't seen that quite like that before. So he's seeing that, and then by the same token, he does not want them to go out there and play outside of themselves and do more than they think they have to do. He said, what we do is enough. They don't have to go out there and be Deshaun Watson. They don't have to go, right? I mean, they just don't have to do that. 
They don't have to do everything. They just have to go out and do what they do. And now that they have turned that corner and they are tenacious on top of everything else, uh, it should be enough. It should be enough. And I think I've seen such a belief on this defense. I mean, they really are confident and swaggy and boomboxy. I mean, they really do believe in themselves, and they have no doubt that they can get this team to the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I, it's just to a man. I mean, they have uh, this strength, this swag, this confidence that I've never seen it before on a defense like this. So it's going to be interesting to see how they strike that balance between uh, just getting the job done and also making up for the loss of Deshaun Watson. Well, and, and just to pull on this thread a little more, like I, I mentioned it, like your superstars on the defensive side. I mean, they lost their franchise quarterback. They lost their franchise running back. Like if we were to go through like the franchise level players on this team, right? I mean, you could say Amari Cooper's a franchise, like a number of legit number one receiver. But I mean, if we're talking like franchise changing guys, it's Deshaun when he's when he's Deshaun. It's Nick Chubb and it's Miles Garrett. And Ashley, Miles Garrett is the last man standing right now. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it's this interesting balance that they also talk about with takeaways, right? Like, you have to play hard and be aggressive, but you can't force it. And I think it's a very similar mentality. I think they have successfully done that with takeaways. The takeaways weren't coming for them early in the season. They didn't force necessarily, because I think on any level, whether it's takeaways or trying to make up for not having your starting QB, when you start to force as a defense you're more prone to giving up explosive plays, which Jim Schwartz has talked about. That's not what they want. It's about everyone doing their job, being aggressive while they do it, trying to get to the ball, and that's when takeaways happen. And that's also when you're going to stop teams from scoring, even when you don't have your starting quarterback on the other side. And, you know, I think my one of my favorite quotes today <laughs> came from Grant Delpit when, you know, he got asked a handful of questions about not having Deshaun out there, and Grant Flat out said, I don't know one play on offense. And like there, of course, they feel for Deshaun. But I think this defense really genuinely believes that this team's goals, all their hopes and dreams are still in front of them because they're so confident in their ability right now. And I think there has to be a little desperation too, because you know, I, I understand this team knows how to manage the cap and all that, but if, at some point this defense is really going to start to get more pricey, right? Like Grant's a free agent after this season. Jordan Elliott's a free agent. You paid a ton of money. You've put a lot of money into, the, into that defense and uh, frankly, a lot of money into the offense, especially your quarterback. So I don't know how long you keep this group together. Like this is kind of a moment in time and I'm not saying they're going to be a bad defensive team next year, but it's going to look different next year. So you know, you, you got to take advantage of it while you have it. Uh, I think my thing to watch, I'm going to go back to DTR a little bit, but I'm going to focus on Kevin Stefanski. This is let Kevin cook now for the next eight weeks because Kevin Stefanski has done a good job, whatever you think of him. And we did a pot earlier this week where we, we were saying we think we did. He's maybe doing the best job he's done. Um, at least I, I think so. And this is kind of his opportunity, Mary Kay. You've got eight weeks with DTR, eight games with DTR. We know Kevin knows how to coax the best out of a quarterback and plan an offense around a quarterback. So let's let Kevin cook. Let's see what he can come up with. Yeah, I mean, think about Kevin Stefanski and his history with quarterbacks. And we could go back farther than this, but let's just start with Case Keenum. Case Keenum went, I think, something like 11-3 and, and led 
as the backup and led the Minnesota Vikings to the NFC Championship game. That was Case Keenum. Uh, so he coaxed the best season out of Case's career. He did the same thing with Baker Mayfield here. He did the same thing here with Jacoby Brissett. He was probably going to do the same thing with Deshaun Watson if those two could have spent some good time together, and maybe that's still coming down the road. But now he's got an opportunity to do it with DTR. And he is good at devising a game plan that a quarterback can excel in. It's the, basically the tenet of the West Coast offense. that The quarterbacks usually end up looking really good in this scheme. Remember Kyle Shanahan getting the most out of Brian Hoyer? Um, Two and, Brian Hoyer references in one exactly. pod. Exactly. And then, <laughs> and you know, Kyle with, with Kirk Cousins, Kevin with Kirk Cousins. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, this, this is a, it's a quarterback-friendly offense. And again, what DTR needs to do, uh, number one, is try to protect the football. But here's another thing that I think is probably going to happen. And I'm going to be writing some some of this stuff today. DTR is going to have the opportunity to go deep to Amari Cooper. And they're going to make some big plays like that. They're not going to completely put the clamps on him and not play to one of their strengths, which are those explosive, defensive, stretching, big plays, especially to Amari Cooper. They're going to find him and they're going to hit him. You just have to get Amari singled up with a defensive back and throw the ball downfield to him and hope for the best. And if you get it pretty damn close to him, he's going to catch it. And he's going to make a big play close enough that two or three plays later, you can be in the end zone. And I think they're going to, I think they're going to go for it like that with DTR. I really do. And, you know, the Browns are just going to have to hope that Amari catches it more than the Steelers do. (laughs) But I think, I think they're going to try to hit some big plays. And, and again, I think this is, you know, obviously whatever happens Sunday happens and you want to win that game, it's a huge game. But this is sort of an eight-game thing. You know, you're trying to see, again, it's count up the wins, right? Can you find four wins or five wins in this eight-game stretch? And that's sort of what this DTR thing you hope is going to be. Like, you hope Sunday looks good, but then you hope by the time you go to Cincinnati in Week 18 it looks even better. Like, Kevin has a legitimate shot here to just – Hey, DTR is my guy. I know he's my guy. I'm going to build everything around making this work with him. And again, I mean, even like Murray said, like Kevin has a history of doing this. And if you question that history, I would remind people to just think back to last year. And there was a point in the preseason last year when people were wondering, you know, should they start Josh Dobbs over Jacoby? Some fans were really in love with Joshua Dobbs even back then. Now, that's a take that has maybe aged really well. But I think that offense with Jacoby Brissett looked a lot better by who did they play in like week 11 or 12, whatever Jacoby's last start was. Uh, Tampa. It looked a lot better against Tampa than it looked in week one against the Panthers, right? Like when Kevin has some time to let Kevin cook, he can do things with quarterbacks who, you know, are not Deshaun Watson level, who aren't at that tier. So I would just say, just remember, it might take some time, but in about this like eight game span, I wouldn't be surprised if it looks a lot better. And it is just different when you know who your guy's going to be week to week. Um, it's just like, you know, okay, I'm talking to Dorian Thompson Robinson in the headset every week and Dorian knows what, Ke- like, it's just, it's different, not just on this, this one week, but like 
Like, you know, like Deshaun's not coming back. That's done for the year. So, you know, that Dorian's the guy. And I think that's, I think that's going to make a big difference just in general. Even if Dorian struggles on Sunday, if it looks like there's something there, you can keep kind of developing that and, and growing that over the course of these next two months. God, there's still two months left in this season, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to take a break. We're sitting outside the Browns facility, if you haven't noticed. We're going to take a break. Lance Reisland is going to come up on the other side, then Tyler Shoemaker, and then we will be back and we will make our way too early picks for Sunday's game between the Browns and Steelers. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome back to our Brown Steelers preview on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. And as we do every week, we welcome on Lance Reisland. Lance, a new starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, Dorian Thompson Robinson. Uh, he is the goal here is to have him be the starter for the final eight games of the season. Let's start there. I, you know, we're going to dig into sort of what the Browns can do for him, but I just this concept of not having any question about who the starter is. You know, even though you lost your franchise quarterback, he's he's done for the year. But at least you know, as long as it doesn't look like it did against Baltimore, at least you know Dorian Thompson-Robinson is your guy for the next eight weeks. How does that help Kevin Stefanski and this coaching staff? Well, you just said it. So they announced it right right away. I actually texted you guys because I wasn't sure because I thought it was going to be Walker. So I was like immediately going through my Walker notes and trying to get that ready. And then I think it was you or Mary Kay, I forget who it was. I was like, oh, okay. What it does is, first of all, they named it early, right? So he's going to get all the reps. So I, you know, you, me and you uh, have talked a bunch. I'm a believer in reps. So he's getting all the reps, tracks and individual routes and team and seven on seven, and he's getting them all. So that helps. Secondly, it's going to be designed towards him a little bit, right? So he got the last one. He was on the Deshaun Watson. Everything is in. Everything is, you know, this is what Deshaun can do. He has a similar, similar skill set, so it'll help in terms of play calling with what they have, but I think they're actually going to take a step back and kind of go back to pre Deshaun um, in terms of levels, concepts, option routes. I think Najoku, uh, even though he's having a great year is even going to get um, better because those throws are shorter. They're easier reads. So um, they got to help him. I think naming them early is the key. They're saying, this is who we got. It, it, it doesn't create any decision in the locker room. Uh, you get all the reps. Uh, Walker's a pro, so he can help him. Uh, he's a play away. So they got to prepare that way. Um, I just think it's smart because there is no decision. Like you get in a huddle, you know who's starting this week. And that's huge starting on Wednesday when they start their prep. And then just what about that ability to stack week to week? So starts for you this week. Again, obviously you hope he makes it through and doesn't look like he did against Baltimore. So then you can start. Now you're going into week two of DTR and week three and week four. Like there, the goal here is that by the time he gets to Cincinnati in week 18, this kind of looks like a DTR offense because he's like, you're not getting Deshaun back. So he is, this has to be, this has to become his offense. Well, I think it's, I, you know, in a weird way, I think it's really beneficial to Kevin Stefanski because DTR, even though he has a similar skill set, he's a rookie. And this allows Stefanski, which I think he did a great job of saying, this is what I do and how are we going to adapt it to Deshaun? Now it kind of goes back to, this is what I do. 
DTR is going to adapt a little bit more to what we do, what I'm comfortable with. Because now without, if you don't have that guy, that, that difference maker, a guy you win because of, not a guy you win with, you have to go with what you know. So Stefanski now is going to be outside. They're going to be underneath center, I think, a little bit more. They're going to be outside, inside zone a little bit more. They're going to be pin and pull a little bit more. There's going to be a lot more boot and waggle. There's going to be a lot more crossing routes. There's going to be a lot of shorter stuff, tons of screens, uh, screens out of everything. There'll be screens everywhere out of every formation. But it, I think there's a level of comfortability. And as comfortable as you could be losing to Sean Watson, there's comfort because Stavansky sticks with his scheme. And all he did with Watson was say, this is what Watson does. I'm going to adjust it. So there's a lever to comfort there. There's going to be this, this learner. He's older. He's got the game reps. So when you think about stacking, for me, that's just seeing game speed. The more game speed you can see, you can say whatever you want. He was great against in, in preseason because he was seeing, you know, 4-3 cover 4. He saw a bunch of stuff now, and he's seen a bunch of stuff in practice, and he's watched film with Sean Watson, so it'll be better. It's going to be a lot better. It's going to be a lot better right away. Okay, so let's get into it. How how do they make this work with DTR? Well, I think the first thing I got to do is they got to they have to take a step back and say we're not. This is not a Deshaun Watson driven team, and and I've ta- I've said it for weeks. I don't think it, it was anyway. Not when you have this level of defense. So this for me, the first thing I got to do is that. Everybody on that offense, special teams, everybody is protecting that defense. That means on third and long, run the ball and punt it. That means if you get backed up inside your five, make sure you get enough for the punter so he can have a full 15 so he can make sure he gets a good punt. You're doing everything you can to protect the defense. You protect the ball. You don't make um, – you minimize reads. You minimize uh, progressions. Uh, you make sure he uses his feet. You make sure he's outside the pocket. You make sure your best players touch it. Um, but – the first thing they got to do is they got to everybody in that building has got to say our defense is going to win us a bunch of games. No one's feeling sorry for them. You know, that's the thing too, you know, Oh, woe is me. Why did it happen to the Browns? We coaches don't think like that. It's how do we get this to work? And they're going to make it work with DTR. And it's because now they're saying we've got to protect. So third and eight from the opposite 40, run the ball upon it, make that team go 90. It's going to be hard to do against the Browns. So that, I think that's the first thing is your strength is defense. Rely on it. That that's really interesting to kind of take that approach that it's not, I mean, that answer wasn't so much about DTR. It was more about a mindset and more about mm-hmm. how, how you're going to play the game and, and sort of change who you are a little bit as Kevin Stefanski, which he has done uh, this season. Again, I think this has been, I would argue this has been his best coaching job that he's had him for, including the playoff year that he's had in his four years here. So what does the offense look like around DTR? You mentioned it. He's got, some of the same skill set as Deshaun Watson, but he's not Deshaun Watson. What does it need to look like for him to succeed? Well, I think first of all, like I say that now they become now becomes well ugly and people say ugly, not ugly wins, but in terms of you're just making football plays. So when you watch, I've watched a bunch of Steelers film right now and there's times Pickett is just really terrible. Um, But you know what he does? He makes a lot of football plays. He's very Tomlin-esque and he'll make a big throw, a big run, a big block, a a correct check on a run read or whatever it is. That's what he needs to do. He needs to make football plays. And what that means is if he's in a run check, make sure he gets it to the check the run that makes it best for the offensive line. Um, If believe in what he sees, but don't hold on to the ball. Don't squeeze things. You know, you don't have to squeeze things. This is not if you don't, I mean, they have to score minimal points to win. And that's what it is with, the you know, if you go back to the Ravens Super Bowl, Trent Dilfer, you can't lose it. The defense can win it. This type of defense can win it for you as long as you don't lose it. So you're talking inside, outside zone, underneath center, play action, levels concepts, where you got a guy in the flat, guy over top, guy deep. It's top to bottom, regardless of coverage. Very simple reads. 
option routes with Najoku, get him the ball in space, um, use those three backs. Now it becomes, I'm not trying to showcase Watson. If you have to run it 37 times, you run the same play and you win three, nothing. Great. You take the W and you get out and you figure out a plan for the next week. This is all about wins and losses. Now the the stats are going to look, I mean, if you look at Pittsburgh, it's a great example. Their stats are not very good, but their record is because you make winning football plays. And that's where they're at right now. No one feels bad for anybody. Go make football plays. And and, and I think they're going to, this is a rallying thing as a coach. They're, they're going to be ready to go Sunday. We talked about this on our, our pod, uh, our Deshaun Watson pod that went up on Thursday. Um, you know, go through the schedule that this team has played and show me the games that they won because of their quarterback and show me the games that they won because of their defense. Show me the games they lost because of their quarterback. And you find more of those. Now, obviously, the Baltimore game was one they won because their quarterback was incredible. Um, but you will find that this team has kind of won on the strength of their defense and, and making sure that they're not putting them in a bad position um, with, with making bad decisions. Okay, so let's talk about that Steelers offense then. What what do they do well? What what do they, when the Steelers offense is good, which isn't always happening. When it is good, what's happening? Well, they've been outgained a ton. <laughs> In every game, they're outgained, and they fed, so the first thing they do is, as I said, they make football plays. So he'll get a big run on third and four. Uh, they'll squeeze in a big play. Um, I think their offense. And I don't think the Steelers' defense is as good as the Browns' defense, but I think it's pretty good, and they have some good edge rushers. But, again, I think they protect that defense a little bit. And protecting it doesn't mean be conservative. It doesn't mean you don't take your shots. It means you don't have to have multi-side reads and third and fourth progressions and things like that. Pickett does two things really good. First of all, he's a gamer, and that term gamer means he just ma- he makes plays when he needs to. Secondly, he checks the ball down very well. I'm a big Jalen Warren fan. I think Jalen Warren gives more problems than Najee Harris, especially on those checkdowns. So when you look at like uh, Connor Haywood and, and uh, Warren, they're really good at checkdowns. So if you give him zone coverage, he'll go through the zone coverage, but he knows where his checkdown is, and he hits it all the time. And they're very good at catching that checkdown and getting all of a sudden now it's second four. Now, it's not flashy, but second six. They're ahead of the sticks. Then they can run the ball a little bit. Najee Harris is uh, a pretty pretty solid back. He's heavy. He'll give you those tough yards. They don't do anything great, but they're not terrible anywhere either. Uh, I think Pickens is a game changer. Uh, I don't think Deontay Johnson is right now. He's, he look, he's not doesn't look as sudden as switchy. Pickens is a big timer. But I say, you know, that's what the Browns have. First of all, take away those checkdowns, right? Put Ward on Pickens crowd that line of scrimmage and say, you know what, you're going to beat us. That's what they're going to do to DTR. So let's see let's see if, the, if they can do it too. So it's going to be very similar in how they attack each other because they're going to force the quarterbacks to make plays. But I think the Browns' offensive line is better, and I think the Browns' um, defense is better. And, I, you know, I think they're they're in good shape. They're in good shape Sunday. Now, now you believe that Denzel Ward should always be on pickets this game. I think when you – so now when you start thinking about, all right, we don't have Deshaun Watson, so what does that mean to me as a coach? Well, that was just like when you said – I thought you said it great when you said it's more of a philosophy, right? We have to protect our defense. They're not ta- – now they're no talk like, all right, we need to get Deshaun. Deshaun does this well. You know, when you have an elite guy, you're figuring out ways to make him elite because his eliteness is going to make you win. Now that you don't have him, now all that's out the door, and you're thinking, what do we got to do to win? Well, the Steelers can't beat you if Pickens doesn't make big plays, all right? The Steelers can't beat you if T.J. Watt doesn't get sacks and cause mayhem. So you're doubling him all the time. You're doubling Watt. You're never leaving him one-on-one in a true pass set. And you're saying Denzel Ward, who I think is as good as any corner, you're going with him. You're following him all over the field. That's why we're in this defense, because we can bump 
JOK out on a, a Connor Haywood, or we can, you know, we can go nickel and get these guys in. But now it's about winning football games and winning football games is finding matchups and make sure you win those matchups. And that's, that's where the Browns are now. It's never going to be pretty the rest of the year, but they're going to win a bunch of games and they're going to win them close. Let's flip to the other side of the ball. Uh, Cole Holcomb and Quan Alexander are both out due to injury. And that's big, obviously. Uh, Cam Hayward is back. That's obviously also very big. Um, I mean, is is this as simple as this defense starts with TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith? Well, yeah, so they have a majority of their sacks, right? So TJ Watt, they get in that odd front. They, you know, very similar to the Browns do at times, but what they're going to do is they're going to cover those guards in center. They're going to go five on five and it creates those one-on-ones with those edge rushers. And it is about him. And now I think, but once again, there's a mentality with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So when you're a defender of the Pittsburgh Steelers, that comes with, uh, you know, talk about culture and all those words that are thrown around all the time. When you play defense for Pittsburgh, you are held to a standard that's been there for decades. So those guys all play way above their head, in my opinion. I think Joey Porter Jr. is their best player on defense. I don't think it's Hayward anymore. I think he's solid. Um, TJ Watt is their best rusher. Joey Porter, let's make those other guys tackle. I think Wallace is beatable. I think the other guys, I think they, they have some matchups that they can win, especially without those two backers. But again, I just think it's, I think it's, uh, you have to make sure that the best players now, now that you're in this, we just got to figure out a way to win. They got to block TJ Watt. Highsmith is okay. He's only got four or five, four and a half sacks this year, but what is the, what is the killer? What is the game changer? So make sure you never leave him alone. If you lose, that's the way you look at it. You go in the game and, and somebody asks him, well, how did you let Highsmith? And you go, well, our focus was on Watt. He didn't beat us. Sometimes you got to you pick your poison and block Watt, cover Pickens, Stay away from Porter Jr. These are all things they're thinking now without Watson. How do we win? So let me ask you this, because Dewan Jones was back at practice today. We're recording this Thursday. So he was back at practice on Thursday, um, which is, is a good sign. You know, we'll know his game status about midday Friday. So maybe when some folks are listening to this, they'll know if he's questionable, if he's going to play, whatever. But if Dewan Jones is, is able to go at right tackle, how did he do against TJ Watt in that first game? Well, watch it. And I was actually, so actually went back, back and listened to our pod today. And I was like, I wanted to see what I said because I knew I had taken a lot of notes on him. So I went back and listened to the pod and he played really well. He did a great job. He, you know what it is? He's so big. He's even big on the NFL standards that Watt had trouble in terms of Watt loves to get into that chest. Well, there's two guys, Brown from the Bengals and Jones. They invite you into their chest because they're so massive. So everything you're learning, you're trying to get your hand in there first, they invite it because they're just going to chop you down and their arms are longer. So I think he, I think Watt's going to have more success this time because that was like a new kind of like how do I attack him and Watt's an elite league guy. So I think they'll have to help him more this game than they did in the first game. I think he kind of shocked him uh, with his size and his feet. I think Watt, when you watch Watt, Watt tries to beat him with speed rushes, doesn't use his hands a ton, and Dwan Jones can move his feet. And he just – there wasn't a lot else. So I think they're going to have to help him more this time. I think Watt's going to have much – I think he respects him and knows he's got to have much a much better plan um, than he did the first game. Okay, I want to ask you this, this question here. I want to flip it back to the Steelers' offensive line because I do want to ask you about a guy, and we talked about this in the first segment of the pod. When you look at the Browns right now, right, the NFL is – we always talk about players over plays. So the Browns have – if you picked three franchise players, right? And if somebody wants to make an argument for Joel Batonio, that's fine. I'll listen, but let's, let's just use these three players. Deshaun Watson, right? Your franchise quarterback, 
He's gone for the year. Nick Chubb, your franchise running back, he's gone for the year. And the third name you would mention is Miles Garrett, right? He's your franchise game-changing player. He's the one that, he's the last man standing. So if this team, I might have put a future on a Miles Garrett MVP just just for fun this week, because who knows, right? Mm Because if this team is going to get to the playoffs, it's going to be because of their defense and Miles Garrett dominating. So what could Miles Garrett be capable of in this game against that offensive line? Well, again, I think well, Dan Moore is going to absolutely struggle. They're going to have to chip. One thing Najee Harris does really well, he's a devastating chipper. I mean, he's a big guy. He's 240. So when he chips you, there's a couple he gave to Miles and a couple he gave to Darius in the first ones. He's pretty nasty in his chips. So they're going to, they're always going to chip on him. What Miles is really going to do is that it's going to be other guys. Uh, Tomlin is one of those guys. They're figuring out ways to win. So they do a really good job of chipping him leaving a tight end in, sprinting away, getting rid of the football. They do a really good job, just like Stefanski does. But Tomlin and his crew, Canada, they do a nice job of helping on Miles. Everybody else has got to show up. Now, Miles still has to make plays. He has to make plays, especially with Watson out. But, you know, when you talk about, like, Dan Moore, if they leave Dan Moore by himself, uh, he's in big trouble. And I'll just put that out loud because he struggles with length and he he struggles with power to speed. And that's what Miles is the poster child for that, right? It's uh, power to speed. Uh, I think the guy who's going to really struggle is Isaac Ciamolo, the, the the left guard they picked up. You know, when they picked him up early in the season, they got him and they got Broderick Jones, who's playing at a high level. These guys are maulers. So these guys want to run the ball, really tough to run the ball. Just like the Browns until they got the hang of it, um, they're not awesome in pass protection and they can struggle with speed guys. So the guy who's inside of miles this week is going to have a big week. Sometimes that'll be – uh, Smith, sometimes that'll be Oboe. Um, but the guy, especially in passing situations, the guy inside, uh, that three technique's really hard to double. That's the guy who's got to really win. And that comes down to, again, what do we got to do to win? Miles is a, Miles is the guy who sets it. But Steelers aren't dumb. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season for a reason. They're not going to let Miles Garrett – he'll have his place, but they're not going to let him destroy their, their game plan. But they're going to let the three technique because you can't cover everything. So that three technique inside miles and pass situations has to have a huge day. You know, uh, Ward has to have a huge day. It starts with miles, but it works down. It works. It trickles all downhill. They all have to be good uh, with miles, you know, being out front of that. Okay, there we go. Lance Rising, great stuff as always, getting you ready for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to take a break, and then our preview show will continue with Tyler Shoemaker and his gambling advice on the other side. Lance, as always, appreciate the time. Thanks for having me, Dan. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to our Brown Steelers preview on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks to Lance Reisland for his film breakdown. And now we welcome on Tyler Shoemaker uh, to get into some of the gambling angles on this football game and across the league. Tyler, how are you? Good, Dan. Good to be back. Okay. Uh, let's do what we've been doing here these last few weeks. Let's get your, uh, your rankings here, your top five in uh, your index this week. Yeah, so the Browns and the Chiefs actually are tied for fourth, uh, both with a 4.5 power rating. Uh, the Cowboys at, at number three with a 5.3 rating. The Niners at number two with a 7.3 rating. And the Ravens 
holding on to the top spot, although not by as, as wide a margin as they had um, in previous weeks. So I know Browns fans might get mad about that, but I, you know, I did say this after the game to someone like, it's not like the Ravens are suddenly bad because they lost yeah. a, a close game that they led from essentially the start until there were zeros on the clock. Um, the Browns obviously a great win and they're getting rewarded for it here by moving up to yep. fourth, but the Ravens are still a really good football team. And, and with the disclaimer, we're recording this before Thursday night football. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Although, uh, you know, I mentioned I'm a Bengals fan. I, I don't have high hopes uh, for the game tonight. By the time people hear this, they'll, <laughs> they'll obviously know, know the outcome. I personally, if I was going to bet it, I would I would be on the Ravens tonight. But uh, I don't I don't bet against my team. So I'm just going to watch it and, and probably cringe. But uh, we'll, we'll see. So, OK, I'm, I'm curious. Obviously, you know, we've talked about the injuries and things like that for a team like the Browns now without Deshaun Watson, as you're kind of projecting where this could go for them. How do you kind of factor that in with the info that you have and kind of where you have them sitting? And and it's interesting, too, because so much of what the Browns have done is based on how great their defense has been. So when you yeah, kind that, of project the Browns forward, how do you do that now that Sean Watson is done for the year? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing with a team like the Browns. One, you know, they're primarily uh, defense driven. But the other thing is, I mean, they've played without Deshaun Watson so much this season already that you know, I actually feel pretty comfortable with my with my rating on them because, I mean, honestly, there's there's fewer data points with you know, I feel like with Deshaun Watson than, than without. I, you would know that better than I do, but it feels that way. Um, so, you know, I don't I don't think I would make a huge adjustment here to the Browns. I mean, you know, maybe you dock them a couple of points, but you know, I feel like they have enough reps without him at this point. And, you know, now, especially when it's, you know, declared season ending, like now you, you start to game plan for the long term for how you're going to run your offense without him. And again, I mentioned this a million times. I, I think the, the betting market and the public overreact to these injuries. Uh, you know, I would have been on the Browns even, even before I, you know, and the line moved. Uh, it's the last time I checked here today on Thursday was a pick em. I mean, I, I really like the Browns here in this spot. I, I project that Browns minus seven. And like I said, if you wanted to, even if you wanted to say, okay, we're going to take four points off of that, like that that still puts Browns minus three, which is I think where the line was earlier in the week. And again, I think their data is pretty fairly spot on right now because, uh, you know, Deshaun just hasn't played that much. Yeah. And it's interesting you said that because I, I mentioned this in, in another spot in the pod that before the Deshaun Watson news hit, I was really, I mean, I was talking myself into the Browns winning this game by two scores. Um, and to me, like, okay, yes, Deshaun Watson's not going to play, but is that worth 10 points, 12 points for it? Like it, not even just in betting markets, but just in my mind. And the answer to me is still no. Like, yep. I still think this team can win and win this game without him. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't know. I don't know why the market does this, but like I said, again, I, I like the Browns anyway, even, even if the line would have stayed after the, you know, stayed around three after the announcement, I still would have liked the Browns, but the fact that it's a pick them now I, I do. And I, I'm actually, that's, uh, so I, we'll get into into my bets here. I was, I was going to give out the Browns, you know, pick them, but then, you know, you and I have been doing this, uh, these bands, these point margin bands and, I really like the Brown. The Browns to win by one to ten is plus one seventy at FanDuel. I think that's a way better bet than than playing, you know, than laying minus one ten just to to 
pick the Browns to win. So, you know, I think, I think one to 10, I, I, again, I've talked about these divisional games, probably going to be a little bit lower scoring. I, I mean, the, the over under is 33. So, you know, I'll, I'll take the Browns by one to 10 at, at plus 170. Okay. Before we get, get more into this, it's my favorite part of the week. The Hugh Jackson uh, five, the, the bottom five sorry. in your ratings. <laughs> I, I got I got us off track. Yeah, no, how, how can I forget? Okay. So bottom five, uh, a lot of familiar faces here. Uh, Patriots at number 28, Cardinals at number 29, Commanders at number 30, Panthers number 31, and the Giants by like a mile dead last <laughs> uh, this week. They're, they're last by 2.1 points, which I mean, that's... In the power rating world, that's like an eternity. So, uh, you know, I'll talk about the Giants here here later on when we get to my stay away segment. Spoiler alert! But yeah, they they're a disaster right now. I still had the Cowboys available in my survivor pool that I'm in, and that was the easiest. Like, I just <laughs> I, I kind of looked the the guy that runs it sends out the picks every week. Whoever and I was one of the only people that had the Cowboys left. So that was a no brainer. I had to use them this oh, week. Oh yeah, <laughs> get the Giants. Save yeah. the Giants in your survivor pool if you can. The rest of the way. Uh, okay, so let's get into this game. You mentioned it. It was a pick 'em at one point. The Browns opened as three point favorites. I do think even yesterday I saw that the Steelers were favored by a half point for a small margin of time. So right now at seven o'clock on Thursday night, we've actually got the Browns minus one on DraftKings, and over on FanDuel, the Browns are at minus one and a half. Um, so, th- so that's a little surprising that they're at one and a half there from a pick So does that change? I'm assuming that doesn't change anything. I mean, you said that, you know, you've got the Browns well past those numbers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, the the move makes sense to me because I, the initial move didn't make sense to me. I, I don't, you know, but that that's just what happens. Quarterbacks get announced out, and and everyone just runs and automatically bets the other side, and it just it doesn't make any sense. But that's a tale as old as time in, in the betting world. I mean, just any any court, quarterback injury in particular, everyone just runs and bets the other side regardless. Um, but no, I, I like I said, I like the Browns before. I like them at one, one and a half. I any really anything two and a half or under, I I would like it. Like I said, with that, you know, with the the one to ten band, that that kind of covers covers all of our bases there. Okay, is there anything else you like in this game besides the band? Yeah, so a couple of props that I picked out. Um, you know, DTR set to start. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but from everything I read, DTR is going to be starting. Uh, I like him over 166.5 passing yards, and also George Pickens over 36 and a half receiving yards. Um, like I said, I don't I don't do my own personal player projections, but a couple of the sites that I that I do trust uh, were kind of unanimous on on both of those props. I'm I'm going to go there this week. Okay, and we did pretty well last week too. So yeah, we um, did. We we cashed the, the cream hunt <laughs> plus plus three seventy anytime touchdown and and the Deshaun Watson over passing yards. That was a, that was a nice uh, two in a week for us last week. Okay, I'm going to own something here. I'm going to ask your opinion on this. I, I already know this was dumb. Okay. <laughs> I feel pretty good about where some of my futures are headed. I had Nick Chubb to lead the league in rushing yards. That's a bummer. Um, some other, some others that have bad luck. But I like where some of my futures are going right now. But on a whim this week, very little amount of money. I thought to myself, if the Browns go on a run and make the playoffs and Miles Garrett dominates, is there a chance that Miles Garrett could win MVP? So I put just a little bit on Miles Garrett to win MVP at on FanDuel at plus twenty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
that that is certainly worth uh, worth a nibble because it's, if they do if they do go that far, it's it's going to have to be on his back. So I I don't I don't think that's dumb at all. <laughs> now, obviously, you know I wouldn't I wouldn't encourage you to go bet your mortgage on that, but uh, yeah, that's probably worth. I a bet a dollar. Sprinkle. I bet one dollar on it. So hey, one there you, yeah, cold hard a, American a dollar, dollar a dollar well spent. <laughs> <laughs> I just look. I know defensive players never win MVPs. Always goes to a quarterback. But just in the back of my mind, I'm like, if the Browns make a run and Miles Garrett gets to like. 22 sacks is, is there a chance there, there there could be an argument there that that's at those <laughs> odds that's it's worth throwing up a hail mary on for sure okay uh what do you what do you like this week across the league i'm gonna play the texans cardinals under 49 uh so i project this total at 46 and none of the other formula, all of the other formulas that I look at are all even lower than that. So uh, I, I really like getting, and 49 is kind of a key number, 48 is a key number in totals. So we're getting under both, uh, you know, getting under that. So I I like under 49 in the, the Texans Cardinals this week. And then what's your stay away? You kind of you kind of mentioned it, teased it a little bit there. What's what's your yeah, stay away? The Giants. I I don't <laughs> I don't want anything to do with them right now because you know we're kind of at that point in the season where motivation really becomes a factor. Obviously, you know Daniel Jones is out. Like this week, my number shows value on the Giants, but there's no way. Like the formulas are all unanimous value on the Giants, but I just, I couldn't bring myself to do it. And I'm not opposed to betting bad teams. Like sometimes you got to kind of get in the trash to, to cash some bets, but they're, they're, they're too trashy even for my taste. <laughs> okay. I've got a weird one that my, my random scroll here that I, that I just stopped on and listen, there's not a, not a lot of value in this, but I, I feel like, uh, how about dolphins? I hate big lines. How about dolphins minus 13 and a half against the Raiders? All the Dolphins do is just beat up on bad teams. And I feel like there's a little bit of an overcorrection with the Raiders because they have played well um, under under their new coach. But I don't know. I feel like this is a spot where the Dolphins, some other folks have been getting some hype. Maybe they haven't quite played as well the last couple of weeks as they want to. But they kind of bounce back and they just put a big number up on, uh, on the Raiders. Yeah, no, I... So my number disagrees with this, but I'm going to tell you why I think you're on to something here. I think situationally, you're right. The Dolphins need to bounce back. And this is the absolute like peak of the market on the Raiders after they after they won last week. So getting them off of a win while the Dolphins haven't been great recently. The Dolphins, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like they're kind of a, a bully on, on these bad teams. They're kind of like the Penn State of the NFL. Like they, they will just dominate teams that they should dominate. Um, so... From a, a true like analysis standpoint, I I love that my number my number disagrees again, not really factoring in coaching change, injuries, things like that. So I it's probably a stay away for me. But yeah, I, I think I think the Giants probably are the side in that game. Or I'm, I'm sorry, I said Giants. The, the Dolphins. <laughs> the Dolphins. That's the only time this the year. Giant, you're the ever Giants are haunting the Giants me right are... now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I do want to ask you about one more game because obviously it's it's one of the the big games. Really, one of the biggest games of the season. It's that Super Bowl rematch, that Monday night game. Finally, getting a good primetime game here uh, between the Eagles and Chiefs. What are you What are you seeing in that game? Yeah, I mean, I think the the spread is is pretty sharp. I, I project two point nine. Uh, last time I checked, it was it was two and a half. So I mean, right there, I would say it's probably going to bounce around two and a half, three uh, in, until game time. 
So I, I, I don't really want anything to do with the side. Um, if I was going to play the total, I think I would play the under. I project 42. Uh, the last time I checked, the over-under was 45. So I show a little bit of value on the under there. Uh, but yeah, that, I mean, that, that should just be a great game. Uh, curious to, to see how it goes. But, you know, line, line is pretty sharp on the, on the spread there. I wouldn't, wouldn't want to touch that. I do think it's interesting you brought up the total because I did want to ask you about that because I think there's maybe a public impression that both these teams score a bunch of points, especially the Chiefs. But the reality is the Chiefs have kind of been riding their defense a little bit this year. And of course, we know uh, the Eagles are, are a good defensive team. And also they're a team that if they have the lead, they might sit on the ball a little bit. So I, I think it's interesting that you kind of point out that under as, as a possibility in a game where a lot of people might be thinking points. Yeah, I, I I think you're right. I think the perception there is that, you know, these are high-flying teams. And not that they can't be, but, I mean, the, the Chiefs are number one in my defensive ratings by a full point over number two, which is Baltimore. Uh, so, I mean, the, the Chiefs' defense – I mean, the, the Chiefs' defense is driving them right now. Uh, so, like I said, I, I would like the under in that game, if anything. Okay, Tyler, as usual, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, you can read my work, all of my best bets, uh, com. You can find me on the Friday episode of Buckeye Talk, uh, giving out some Ohio State bets every week. Um, you can subscribe to my podcast on podcast platforms and, and YouTube. That's Calculated Risk that I do with Kelly Ford, who's one of the absolute best in the analytics space. So, uh, yeah, follow me there. All right, Tyler Shoemaker joins us every Friday here on our preview pods. Tyler, we appreciate the time. Yep, thanks, Dan. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks to Lance Rice and thanks to Tyler Shoemaker. We are back with Mary Kay and Ashley. And it is time for, I think I just need to call this segment our no feel picks. Because like this is this is the time of the week where we just have no feel. Like we're trying to figure out what we're going to pick. Our way too early picks. We're making these on Thursday. Now we're recording this before the Thursday night game. So we don't know if this game will be for first place in the AFC North or it will be just to kind of keep pace with the Ravens. Um, but it, it could be for first place depending on what happens on Thursday night if the Bengals ended up winning that game. doesn't matter, though, for our picks. I, as I said, have no feel for this game. I don't think any of us do, especially because Dorian Thompson-Robinson is the wild card. We don't know what to expect out of DTR. So I'll just go first. I'll kind of explain my thinking here. Before the Deshaun Watson news hit on Wednesday, I had woken up. Now, you two have already made your picks, but I have woken up. I woke up on Wednesday, and I'm like, I think I'm going to talk myself into the Browns winning this game by two scores. That's where I was at. And then about a half hour later, Deshaun Wat- we find out Deshaun Watson is done for the season. But I don't know if that's enough to make I don't know if that's worth two scores in my mind because the one, part of the reason is I think this Browns defense is going to show up and dominate. Pittsburgh has played six home games this season, three road games. So they haven't really played a ton on the road. I think it's tougher in theory. I'm just throwing this out there. There's nothing behind this. I think it's tougher to win the way Pittsburgh wants to win if they have to do it on the road against a good defense. The Browns outplayed them in Pittsburgh and still lost. Now, again, that's the case for six other five other teams that have lost to Pittsburgh 
But I just feel like if DTR is not the DTR in the Baltimore game, if he is replacement level at worst, the Browns win this game. So right now the Browns are favored by a point on DraftKings on Thursday when we're recording this. And I think the Browns are going to win this game. It's going to be tougher than I originally thought, but I think they're going to win 20 to 17. I'll go with that. I never, there's no logic behind my (laughs) scores, by the way. But that's my thinking behind why I'm sticking with the Browns to win this game. Who wants to go next? I can go next. You know, I I do, I think, still stand by my Sunday pick. Although in that (laughs) podcast, I did say, as I alluded to yesterday, I don't know what would have to happen for me to change my mind, but I do think this injury to Deshaun Watson would be one of those qualifiers that, Dan, you would have had to allow me to change my mind if I wanted to. But I do kind of view this game as a sort of rally cry for, you know, this team as a whole, but I really think the defense. Like, this defense wants to be the identity of this team. And I think this defense is better than they were the first time they played the Steelers. And even in that game, it's like they they didn't play terribly, right? The Steelers got two defensive touchdowns in that game. We have to remember. They won, was it 26 to 22? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like without those plays, you know, in theory, the Browns should have done enough to win that game. So... I'm sticking with them mainly because I do think there is that X-factor part of it coupled with this defense is better, coupled with what Mary Kay was talking about, Jim saying he felt this tenacity that he's never felt before and that he thinks that this unit really learned a lot from how things ended against the Seahawks and they don't want to repeat that. That being said, I think points somehow get scored in the NFL. I'm coming along to Mary Kay's line of thinking. So I think I'm going to go a similar score to last time, but... In the Browns' favor, I'm going to go Browns 27, Steelers 21. Okay, I do want to add to one of the other reasons I was thinking this was kind of kind of along what you were getting at, Ashley. Like, this is the game where you get to do the, oh, nobody believes in us, everybody wrote us off because of Deshaun Watson. This is the game where you get to really ride that high. Um, and that'll fade over time, especially if you keep winning. And the last time they had that opportunity was in week three when they played the Titans after Nick Chubb was done for the year. And they successfully did that. Now, obviously, I think the, the Steelers are a better team than Tennessee right now, but We've seen them be capable of this, basically. All right, Mary Kay, what are you picking? I am going to stick with my original post-game pick uh, that I blurted out there (laughs) when we were in Baltimore. I called it that night, Sunday night. I just said, there is no way in heck that this Cleveland Browns team that to me sort of feels like team destiny, at least it did at that moment, um, that they're going to let the Pittsburgh Steelers come into their house and sweep them in the series in front of their home crowd uh, after they, you know, after they already lost to them in Pittsburgh with so much riding on it. The two teams are going into this game both at 6-3. and The Steelers are ahead by virtue of that victory over the Browns. The tiebreakers are going to mean so much. Um, Again, it, it is true that the Steelers, they don't have good offensive numbers. Their offense, their passing game has averaged 165 yards per game over the last three games. That's nothing, okay? So this defense is going to come in loaded for bear, and I think they will carry the day. I think they're going to ignore their defensive coordinator who is asking them 
to try not to do more than is asked or required of them. Just do your job. I think they're going to do a little more than their job. I think Miles is going to have a little extra juice with T.J. Watt on the field. I don't care what he says. He may tell us tomorrow that he doesn't have any extra juice with T.J. Watt I'll tell you exactly what he's going to say. I don't play against T.J. Watt. He doesn't play against T.J. Watt. And that's why when I asked him the question last week about facing the Ravens' defense, I I qualified it by saying, I know you're not playing the Ravens' defense, but you you guys are in the same – you know, stadium. How do you feel about sharing the, you know, the stadium with the Ravens defense? Well, he didn't like that question and he kind of scoffed at it and walked away without answering it. So whatever. But um, (laughs) my theory is he was just like, kind of thought it was funny that you guessed what he was going to say. I guess so. Maybe he was mildly amused by it. I'm I'm choosing to look at it positively. Well, thank you. It's (laughs) it's your birthday today, Ashley. So happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, so we'll see. But anyways, maybe somebody else should ask the T.J. Watt question tomorrow. <laughs> but, um, but the truth of the matter is, no matter what he says or how he answers that, we know the truth. We know the truth. Remember when he t- admitted that he didn't tell us the truth about how he felt about facing Trent Williams? Yeah. He's not going to tell us the truth about how he feels about facing T.J. Watt. And last week he didn't tell us the truth about how he felt about opposing the other best defense in the NFL. He he did not want to go there. So I don't know what he's going to say, but what I do know is that he's going to want to be the NFL Defensive Player of the Year guy, more so than TJ is on Sunday. And so I do think, I mean, now you do have to be careful because if you're trying to be that guy, sometimes you jump off sides and, you know, sometimes you make mistakes or, you know, sometimes you get some kind of a penalty or you get a, a roughing call or something. He doesn't get that many roughing calls. Not anymore. He did. He do you remember to. he used yes. to when he was a rookie? Yes. Uh, he actually went through that stretch. It was the, it was the Freddie year, yes. wasn't it? He went through that. And, of course, we know how that ended. Yeah. Um, but he went through that stretch where he was getting fined yes. and getting roughings. And, yeah, he definitely struggled with that early. Yeah. So he got, he got that figured out. Um, but I think he's going to, uh, I think he is going to want to overcompensate for the loss of Deshaun Watson. I think that Miles is going to be out of his mind on Sunday, doing everything that he can to wreck that football game. So for that reason, I'm sticking with my pick uh, of the Cleveland Browns over the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm going to go with the score of 23-17. to 17. Okay, there we go. A clean sweep. I wasn't sure if we'd get a clean sweep this week. Yeah. Um, and look, again, the wild card to me, it's DTR, right? We just, we do not know what to expect out of DTR. And so this game is almost impossible to pick because we just have no clue, no clue what to expect out of him. So I don't know. I, I don't think our picks are going to change in print or anything like that. But this is a really tough game to choose. And of course, the Steelers, the way they play is they get outplayed every week and then they win the game. So I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. That's why we call it our no-feel picks uh, mm-hmm. of the week. Okay, I think that's everything here on our Brown Steelers preview. Sunday, 1 o'clock uh, at Cleveland Brown Stadium. It should be a great atmosphere, of course, for the Browns fans fired up. We will know by the time you're listening to this, you'll know if this game is for first place, if the Bengals won, or if it's to keep pace with the Ravens if they won on Thursday night. Uh, thanks to Lance and thanks to Tyler for helping us out on these preview pods every single week. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.